Welcome to the Fram Park Center for Faith and Life in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is our Out of the Park podcast series, special edition, Pathways, Faith, Living Out the Word. If you enjoy our programming and would like to see more of it, consider a donation at www.framparkcenter.org. Welcome, Dr. Mike Hegeman. Thank you. This is our foundational course focusing on the four pillars of Bible, faith, dialogue, and world. In this course, we are explaining how the Word of God inspires faith, what faith is, and how we live out the faith that God creates in us. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is the definition given to us by the author of the letter to Hebrews of what faith is. Now, this definition isn't a simple formula. Rather, it is a multivalent wonder. That is, it is rich with possibility, having many applications, interpretations, meanings, and values. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is how the 11th chapter of Hebrews begins, and the chapter goes on to say a lot more about faith. But for now, we are going to dwell with this opening sentence. We're going to do some practice first, broadening our experience of the word faith in this definition by substituting those equally good translations, belief, trust, and confidence, and giving some alternates for a few of the other words as well. Now, belief is the understanding of things expected, the persuasion of practicalities not yet observed. Now, trust is the confidence of things longed for, the proving of acts not perceived. No single definition of faith is sufficient. The author of Hebrews sets forth in nine words, well, at least nine words in the Greek, a statement about faith. That itself acts like a mustard seed. We have to sit with this definition and let it expand into a mustard tree, bearing fruit beyond measure before we more fully grasp, rather until we are more fully grasped by faith itself. We've got to nourish our understanding of faith, trust, and belief through practicing faith, belief, trust, exploring the many different ways that faith can take shape, notice doubts when they occur, notice unfaith when it wants to dominate the conversation, weed out what no longer serves, allow challenges to trust, believe, faith to deepen our experience of Jesus Christ as if he were in the room the center of faith in action. No definition of faith is exhaustive, but what we hear at the core of what this thing faith is, is a living in trusting relationship with God and growing in confidence about who God is and what God is doing, even though we may not see with our physical eyes evidence for that trust. Engage the head, the heart, and the gut, and allow God to move us to faith-filled action, inspired by God's faithfulness, and shaped by the wisdom of God's Spirit and the compassion of God's own presence with us, Jesus Christ.
There is a gospel story that tells us a little more about faith and how sometimes faith has to be persistent. In Matthew, the 15th chapter, we hear, Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed from that moment. Woman, Great is your faith. Great is your trust. Great is your belief. We could almost say, woman, great is your persistence. Because that's what seems to be rewarded in this story. What I appreciate about this story is that it shows us that faith can be messy and rude sometimes. This woman does not give up even when rebuffed by Jesus himself. She just keeps on keeping on. So, What did she do that made Jesus respond, Woman, your faith is great. Nothing more than to respond in a seemingly sarcastic way to Jesus, out of her desperation. Probably her response to Jesus was a gut-level reaction in the moment, anguished and yet complete. She united body, mind, and spirit in her persistence. She said, I have not seen, I have only heard. And I'm not sure what ground I have to stand on, but I have nothing left to have faith in. Do this, if not for me, for her. She has not seen or heard, but she is in need. I'm not leaving until you respond. You and I stand on common ground here. We both need God to do something here. In this situation, faith was bolder than assurance. It was a desperate wager that Jesus would, could, and should do something. Her faith in action challenged the observable. Faith itself was in the room, and she wasn't going to go anywhere until faith did something. Has your faith ever looked like that? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What we may not notice in this definition of faith is that there is no what of faith mentioned here. We're not told what to have faith in. However, if we dig a little deeper, we just may find the what, or rather the who, of faith right there, under our feet, as it were. In one of those ancient creeds, we are told outright the content of faith. We have faith in one Lord, 
Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten and not made, of one being with the Father. Or as another translation states it, the Son is consubstantial with the Father, of one substance with the Father. Hang on to all of that. We'll figure out what it means in a moment. Let's go to the Bible, to the story of Moses. One day, when Moses was out tending his flock, he came across an ordinary bush that was burning, but not consumed by the flames. Now, this brambly bush was just an ordinary common kind of plant, not the mystical tree of life at the heart of the Garden of Eden. No, it was just an ordinary bush on a common ordinary hillside, on an ordinary plot of ground, on a common and ordinary day. And yet, something extraordinary was happening. Around the bush seemed to emanate a radiant light, pulsating and alive, a mixture of word and flame with an air of eternity about it. And who wouldn't leave off the ordinary for the extraordinary? Moses steps aside from his ordinary meandering path and steps onto holy ground. Only he doesn't know yet that the ground is holy. After seeing up close and personal that the ordinary bramble appearing to be on fire isn't actually burning, Moses is encountered by his second wonder, a voice that knows his name, a voice that says, Moses, take off your shoes. You are standing on ground that is holy. Let the soles of your feet touch the divine. Now, it is extraordinary to think that this voice would call the ordinary ground holy. Holy is the kind of word that is generally used to talk about God, right? Like, like when the seraphim and the cherubim are circling and swooping around the heavenly throne and sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. God, three times holy. Well, this voice says to Moses, You are standing on holy ground. It's another way of saying, you are in the presence of the Holy One, the One who is three times holy. It's a euphemism. It means you are in the presence of God. Now, holy ground is the key to understanding what faith is all about, at least when we turn our eyes back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. We could also say faith is the undergirding or foundation of things hoped for. We could simply say faith is the holy ground under our feet that gives us reason to hope. Faith is of the same substance as the Almighty God and ultimately with the one we call Emmanuel, God with us. Understanding this word substance is pivotal. The word in Greek, and I just have to teach you a Greek word, is hypostasis. You've probably never heard it, except in translation. Back there in that ancient creed, Jesus is of one hypostasis with the Father, or as one substance with the Father. 
Faith is the hypostasis or substance of what we hope for. Simply translated, hypo means under, and stasis means standing. Or put it together and we get understanding. Or substance, standing under. Hypostasis is the foundation on which we stand. All right, now, get this. Earlier in the book of Hebrews, we hear, Jesus is the brightness of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. Now, the words we just said, their very being, uh, that's also hypostasis. Jesus is God's hypostasis, God's very substance. Jesus is a hypostasis. Faith is a hypostasis. All of this simply means that faith has substance. And that substance for us is Jesus. Jesus is God's holy ground on which we come into the presence of God who made heaven and earth. We may never see a burning bush, but we have seen Jesus, the radiance of God's glory, and therefore we have seen God. As we seek to understand faith itself, Faith itself is seeking understanding. And that understanding, that undergirding, that foundation, that holy ground is Jesus. Jesus is the what and the who of faith. With all of this in mind, we could translate Hebrews 11.1 as Faith is through Jesus, who is one being with the Father, the holy ground on which we live and move and have our being everything we could have hoped for. We keep our conversation going here around the topic of faith, especially today talking about the substance of faith. And to help us do that, we have Mr. Bernard England with us and uh, from Mercury Studios. Bernard, as we dived into things today, we looked at the story of this woman who really challenges Jesus. I mean, then that faith ends up being persistent. You know, the sense of, well, what was her faith? Maybe it was just in this sense, a persistency. Have you ever experienced that sense of where all you had left was persistence? Yeah, yes. Um, I mean, all the time as a runner, that's, that's all you have at the end of the training day. It's like, okay, well... Now you have to go back and be persistent that you've just done enough and you can go perform at a certain level or you need to be persistent enough to say, hey, we're not done training in this training bout now. We have to come back tomorrow. So often I'm always plagued with the task of being persistent and having faith every single day. Yeah, you know, there's a it's a it's a biblical image that, you know, you mentioned running that comes back and again and again. They're talking about living the life of faith is like running a race. You know, that, that image, especially in the New Testament, comes up over and over again. And the, the, the kind of pulling on, or the sense of encouraging people to be persistent in, in that, right? It's like running a race. You've got to persevere until the end, you know. Uh, but there, there seems to be a little bit more with this woman, that she is just in, in the face of one kind of denial after another, negation, negation, negation. You know, she, Jesus kind of turns her away again and again and again, and she keeps being persistent. And that's the only thing we're left with to understand when he says, woman, you've got great faith, you know, uh, because we don't see anything else. So she doesn't sit there and, and she doesn't recite the creed, right? right? 
Yeah, she doesn't say, oh, well, I believe you are the son of the living God and light from true light, God from God, and uh, one of one being in substance with the Father. No, she just says, I'm not leaving until you help me. Right? <laughs> I, I think that's, you know, and maybe that, teach, that could teach, especially a theologian, you know, who's trained in trying to understand all the, de- the minutia of, of uh, perspectives and understandings of God. And this woman just blows through it all and just says, you know, you know, if I could swear on this podcast, I probably would. And she would just say, "Gall darn it, you're going to help me because I'm in need." Unyielding, yeah, unyielding. I almost want to say the word crazy, right? And just, well, what, well, how, how is this possible? Why do you, why, how? You, no one has this much faith. Why do you have this much faith? Why do you keep going back? Why do you keep digging in this this endless pit of of Faith, uh, it's, it's just, it's crazy. It, it honestly, when you think back, it's like, oh, this, I can't do that. Now. It, it, am I doubting this now? Right, it comes back, what came back to me in looking at that story is a, one that we looked at uh, with our last session with the man who has a son who is, who, who, I mean, he's desperate. The man is desperate to have the son healed. And he goes to Jesus and says, I have faith, and yet I don't. You know, and it's desperate. And we, we looked at what was that undergirded that, uh, his call to faith was a sense of a loving relationship that really pushed him uh, to to sit there in front of Jesus and plead, even when he says, I don't think I have enough faith to really, to make this happen, help me. And so this woman is the same thing. She's like, there's, some, there's a loving relationship between her and her daughter that's, that really propels her into being this persistent. You know, I think about that in um, in our world, you know, this kind of persistence sometimes is not, you know, is it rewarded or not rewarded? You know, um, have you ever experienced anything in your life where you just like by through sheer persistence, you kind of you got, I don't think I say it, you got closer to God. Honestly, it may it may come back to running for me. I think it, that same word crazy comes up so much in training where, you know, the sport is much different than other sports. In basketball and football, you get such a sense of reward so soon. If you miss a shot, you practice, you make a shot. If you miss a catch, you practice, you you make the catch. In running, you have to practice for so long just to get that sense of reward, right? If you want to race faster, you can't do it for a week and race faster. You can't do it for a month and race faster for most people. It takes such a ridiculous amount of persistence and dedication to keep coming back and saying at some point I'm going to get better at this thing right if you're playing a team sport I can rely on those around me so much more than than an individual sport in running you have to really be persistent you have to have this unyielding crazed thing inside of you that says I can't stop until I get what I need out of this I I can't stop until What's supposed to come to me actually comes. And it's such a beautiful thing that I've gone through in my career that it has brought me closer to God, right? Because at a certain point, you you can't think about anything that you can do. You can only think about, well, someone has to intervene. Something has to intervene. And the only thing, only one, is is God there. You can do as many long runs as you want. You can tra- strength train as much as you want. But at a certain point, that that persistence just turns into, okay, well, I've just got to let go and have faith that I've done the work, I've done all I can do, and something's going to intervene here. You know, I, what I love about the idea, all the images of running and running the race in the Bible, uh, they, 
you know, it's a, it's a cultural image that they all, anybody who read those texts would understand. They said, yeah, they knew about marathons. They knew about running races in their own and uh, athletic competition. And, and so the metaphor goes so far about saying we need to be, we can be persistent in faith. We have to endure. And, but what I also love too is those, and coming back to our own world, is some of those marathons that I've seen where somebody is trying to get his or her best time, right, in, in, in a marathon. They run multiple marathons a year. And, and yet we, every once in a while you see this, this image of somebody who is close to the finish line and sees somebody that is running near them collapse. And one runner could choose to go further, right? I mean, just say, oops, hey, sorry for you. It's t- I've got to persevere to the end and I'm, I'm going to win this race. And, and yet we see every once in a while you see somebody that says, you know what, my winning this race or getting the best time isn't the most important thing. It's, it's gonna, I'm, gonna go, I'm gonna help that person to get to the end. And I think that to me speaks, you know, there's more to the how, how does the Christian life or life of faith differ from what goes on in the world. The world says compete, 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 be the winner, right? And the Christian world often, we would hope, in the world of faith says, um, Sometimes we're called to stop and to pick somebody else so that the two of you can cross the finish line together. And that's a sense of uh, somebody, if sacrificing is a too big a word, but to say gives up, you know, honor, glory, whatever that they're seeking and says, you know, this doesn't, what I'm doing here doesn't make any sense unless the two of us cross this finish line. You know, it's, it's so beautiful that you say that now because just recently I, I, I took a step back and was just thinking about the profession that I'm in in educating and teaching high school and I, I thought to myself this is the first time in my life where I I never even thought about competing uh, so much in, in running and, and filming and, and every aspect of my life that I'll go into it and the first thing that I always say is I want to be the best I got to figure out what the best is and I'm going after that thing teaching and educating is the first time in my life where I said this has nothing to do with me this has absolutely nothing to do with how good you I don't even know what that would mean to be the best teacher because there are let's say 25 souls in each period of a class at each period each person needs something different so I can't categorize me being the best when each person requires a, a different thing and I, I think that 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 was that was important for me and I that, that teaching and educating has definitely brought me closer to God as well because I definitely will say First period is much different than second period. Person in, you know, row two, seat three is much different than the person in the back of the class. And each person requires me to be a different me. And with that, you know, I I really am blessed to be able to say, all right, well, I don't need competition in every aspect. I just need to be the best version of me. And hopefully that will move that person to a different needle, to a different place in their life. Yeah, and that's, you know... Looking at these stories of faith, we're trying to understand faith. We're trying to do do faith, and I keep doing, being drawn back to the element of loving relationship. You know that that the life of faith calls us to see in another, see myself, see the image of God. Something that says, I, I I've got to for me to persevere to the end means I've got to we've got to do this together, and that's that too. That sense of how do we? Uh, sometimes they used to talk about being yoked together right yoked in, in this in this life of faith and um in this story with this woman 
she is yoked to her daughter, right? And she's um, yoked in such a way that the love compels her to be persistent in the face of, I mean, for, of, of all things, Jesus' no, right? His no, uh, until it turns to yes. Uh, that's a, I mean, that's an amazing story. Um, you know, in the second half of what I was, you know, what we were working on here too, I just keep coming back to this, you know, this definition of faith. Faith is the substance of things longed for, the evidence of things not seen, and want to push us, want to push us a little bit further beyond just saying, oh, faith is perseverance all on its own. That's what it sounds like. If you just, yeah, yeah, if you. If you just persevere, you're going to see, eventually see, right? And, um, but I want to push us a little beyond that and say that the faith has some substance to it. There is some what there. And that's, that's the whole point. I just want to, you know, I'm not even sure what the question to kind of help us get any further into that. But Well, I mean, that is the question. What, what happens when you don't have it? What happens when what you thought you had faith in all of a sudden drops from underneath you. The floor falls from underneath you and you need to levitate on your own. What do you do then? And, you know, that that pushes us further. That makes us, you know, those that already were in the act of faithing, those that were already in belief and, you know, you are now faced with, whoa, this is a different turn. I was already on the right track. Now I've got to find a deeper sense of faith. Like, what do you do then? Um, but I personally, I... That, that's a biggie for me, right? Like we, we were having a conversation earlier about childhood and and getting gifts as, as a child, right? You're going through the, the fairy tale life and the fairy tale phase, phase and you get toys every year or, or someone tells you about Santa Claus or somebody tells you about the boogeyman. And then all of a sudden at a certain age, you get that friend or that family member, that cousin, that big brother, that big sister that tells you that Santa Claus isn't real. And that for most people is the first time that you have to grasp the idea that you you're, you can be lied to and your faith can really be challenged. And then the world takes you back and forth, right? Well, if it, well wait a minute, what do you mean? The, how, how, you told me Santa Claus was real, but you told me that the boogeyman wasn't. But, but both of you, how does that make sense? That's... For me, that that definitely is the first time um, where I said, "Oh well, I don't, I don't get this," and I don't even remember what I thought at that point. Right? You're four or five, six years old. You just cry. You break down. This can't be right. And I think as adults, we do the same thing without even realizing it. Well, that can't be. That can't be. And that could be on both sides of the coin. Either a, if you're a person of faith and you're shaken, or somebody calls something to you, well, that can't be. God has to be there. And on the other side, if you're not a person of faith. That can't be. There is no God. So how do you yourself, how, what, what's an example that you've kind of gone through where all of a sudden your faith really was shaken and you have to question, why do I still do this? Well, I think faith in faith in any institution, you know, a sense of even that, even the church, a sense of, oh, to have faith in the church, you hope and expect people would act a certain way and behave a certain way. And you realize, yeah, you know, the faith, the church is full of human beings, both its leaders and the people and in all the people in the church, and maybe at beginning this because this as illu- all these kind of illusions kind of disappear, have to rebuild and saying where's my like as you said earlier the ground falls out from underneath you, where do we find that new grounding? Yeah, because that's the grounding is another word for that that we said I know my fancy word hypostasis, you know just saying the grounding you could say faith is the grounding of what we hope for. Well, what happens when that grounding drops? And it's with the, I know we just have to re, we reestablish 
you know, through trials and tribulations and prayer and struggles and the person who's going to come by and lift us up and help us go to the end. That's what that person could helps us to find a new legging underneath us, right? Get a new footing. Uh, and, you know, make it too simple. I mean, but saying that for me, Jesus, Jesus Christ is that one who is the one who's going to pick me up. You know, if I'm not, if I'm not able to cross the finish line on my own or find new leg, new footing under myself, the ground is dropped. Christ is that foundation. And uh, I know it sounds like a sermon, but it's, it's a sense of when in my persistence of faith I go so far, or the illusions of faith, oh, my persistence only takes me so far, or if the illusions just make me vanish and I'm only disillusioned, again and again I have to come back to the community of faith that says we will together, uh, you know, learn and experience the love of God in Jesus Christ. And we're going to do our best, and God will help us. All right. And to double down on that, I think for me too, finding Jesus in when you have that ground break from underneath you. So many times in your early adulthood, late adolescence, when you're going from high school to college, right? You just got to go to college, and your life is set. You get to college, and all you need to do is graduate college, and you will be blessed with a job that pays for everything for the rest of your life. And then at 22, sometime 23, you realize, well, that's not true, right? And then for the next couple of years, I know a lot of people in their 20s, they go through a lot of stress and turmoil and, and depression because that's the first time since, you know, the fairy tale days that they've been faced with a very similar task of trying to find the ground, trying to find Jesus, really. So I, I, I definitely appreciate what you said there in, in terms of, well, Jesus is the ground beneath you. But the second part for me in my now ad, uh, adulthood is, has been, well, where do you find it? And I've been blessed in many a ways to look and have the patience, really, to see and find it. Because that is a tough act to, to go through. We talked about COVID in the last two or three years for many people. The ground was shaken for a lot of people. The ground was pulled from a lot of people's feet. And I think in you know our conversations over the last couple of weeks, we're now giving opportunity to say, well, God is everywhere and you need to have faith to be able to see it. We talked about having, you know, faith giving us the wings to jump over that divide. You know, those those wings of faith really also could be the visions to, to see Jesus. Yeah, and I think, you know, we could close with that image of the woman from our story who just, you know, after a continuous negate, you know, ne- negative, no, 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 she says, basically says, I- I'm not leaving and to you, Lord, you know, do something. And I think that's, you know, the sense of persistence that we can take because it brings us into the deeping love relationship with God, you know, and Jesus. Saying, I, I have nothing left. I'm going to trust. And uh, I'm going to keep trusting. And, um, and hopefully we see that, you know, God is the one who does pick us up and gets us to the finish line uh, without being too, too cliche about it. So... All right. Thanks, Bernard. Uh, Stay tuned for further episodes here for our Park Center Pathways and the Out of the Park podcast series. Thank you for joining the Fram Park Center for Faith and Life. Our mission is to serve the church and community through innovative, inclusive, and transformative education. Check out our website at www.framparkcenter.org for more information about upcoming events, programs, pilgrimages, 
and opportunities to get involved. If you enjoyed this program and would like to see more like it, please consider a donation. You can find more information of ways to support the Park Center on our website.